Hello, everyone. Welcome back to what has turned into a, I think is going to be a series, Take Heart, that there'll be more than one. Certainly this one is a part two. And the Take Heart, of course, comes from the couple of verses that we did last week, where it's kind of combining two different scriptures, where if you remember, one is John 14, 27, where Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. So do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. And of course, peace that's not like the world gives, I think, is simply that the peace that the world gives is peace that's based on circumstance. And that Jesus is saying, essentially, there's a peace that I'm able to give you that you can experience and have regardless of what you're experiencing in the world. And that was together with the final verse of chapter 16, verse 33, where Jesus says, "Um, I've told you these things while I'm still with you, so that in me you will have peace. For in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And quickly again, remember that we talked about what were the things that Jesus had just told them, and they were difficult things, that they were going to be hated and persecuted and kicked out and even killed. And of course, the natural reaction to hearing those kinds of things is not peace. In fact, it's kind of ironic, really, that Jesus would actually say, all right, these really painful, difficult, hard things are going to happen to you, but hey, take heart. (laughs) You know, have peace. And when you wait, you just undid my peace. (laughs) You took it away. I feel anxiety. I feel a bit fearful. And so essentially then we're just trying to talk about how then, how do we essentially train our minds? How do we make a different choice in what we think that has a big part of the Lord releasing that peace into our lives? That again, by his spirit, he can certainly bypass our minds Romans fifteen thirteen that he pours his peace out into our hearts by the Spirit. But anyway, but I think a huge part is the fact that, yes, our minds dwell on things, and training our minds to think different can have a huge impact on what we feel. So in continuing that, what's amazing is what has happened in, in the news, and, and then something that happened to me on Tuesday that really put this to test. And so that's where I want to go with this today, that, of course, all of you have heard about uh, the massacre in Orlando and the fact that this young man claimed to be doing it on behalf of and support of ISIS, ISIL. And while we're in the midst of grieving, this experience only perpetuates, though, this ongoing news that we hear over and over and over again that... There are terrorists, which, of course, does what? It creates terror. It makes our hearts feel troubled. It, and especially it, it, it causes a deep mistrust and suspicion of anyone who would be Islamic, a Muslim faith, or those who, again, by how they dress or perhaps even by how they look, might cause us to wonder if they're Muslim. And then, of course, that triggers mistrust and fear, whatever, perhaps. Well, I had no idea, honestly, until Tuesday, where I was driving from Pete's house and heading over to a friend's to pick up something. And while I'm going down the road in just a typical neighborhood, I saw a couple walking toward me in the street. There's no sidewalk. So they're coming up on my passenger side and 
and she is wearing a scarf. And so immediately my mind says, must be Muslim. What surprised me, again, probably because of the Orlando experience, is that I was suddenly caught off guard by the fear that I instantly experienced. And I just started to think, <laughs> I don't know if I'm embarrassed to tell you or not, but that I really enjoyed the 24 show. And unfortunately, one of those seasons um, was about a normal Islamic Muslim couple who were in a neighborhood and who seemed like outstanding citizens who, in fact, were the masterminds behind a bombing attempt. Well, that was internalized. That was in my mind, together with the millions of news reports that we are bombarded with daily, practically. And so, again, I see her scarf, and my first thought is fear, or my first emotion is fear. Are they one of those kind of people? Are they moles or something, whatever they call them, you know, sleepers, right? Are they sleepers in our local neighborhood? Does that mean that they could be behind, you know, that in a store that I visit or a mall that I go to nearby? You know, just your mind. I couldn't believe how fast it went to being suspicious, being fearful, and to some level being anxious. Well, it was only like a quarter of a mile till I arrived at my friend's house, and so my mind got off of it and picked up what I needed to, was driving back down the same road while they had turned around, and now they are coming up the same side of the road on the driver's side. And so I see them again. I see their faces, I see her scarf, and boom, I am back right into those same thoughts again. And just amazed at how fast my mind had become suspicious, had, had again, had fear, anxiety, and, and this sense of um, wanting to withdraw, you know, to avoid and think, I don't know if I want to be around them. And man, just like that in that moment, it's like, because of our podcast, I'm suddenly going, and like the Lord just spoke up and said, Mark, and I'm like, yeah. He says, remember you said, quoting Paul, for my sake, you're willing to face death all day long. You are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. You said that persecution, famine, trouble, hardship, nakedness, danger, or the sword, that these things weren't going to be a hindrance to trusting in my love. And, and I said, oh my gosh, Lord. It's so true. I, I, the next thing I know, my mind went to Paul. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. I mean, suddenly in that moment, I'm thinking, yeah, do I really believe? I know last week I talked about the fact that what is one of the things that Jesus said? I have overcome the world, that he has gone to prepare a place for us, that he's coming back, and that there's a place when all this stuff will cease. But during this time in the present evil age, this stuff is normal. I think because of the neighborhood that I live in, it's just kind of at a distance. And now all of a sudden, seeing this couple, seeing the scarf, assuming, I was triggered with fear, with anxiety, and most of all, the desire to avoid. And in that moment, the Lord just so pointed out to me that, but wait a minute, that should have no bearing on your relationship with them that you would love them, that you would befriend them, that you would care for them, that you would be interested in them. And that's when I realized that, yeah, Lord, that is so true, that if I really don't fear death, 
If I see death as something to be gained, then why am I feeling this way? Why is my mind going there? Now, of course, some of you, I know there's a part of us that, yes, we have to use wisdom. I know that, and the other side of it is I know what's normal to us, right? That it's normal for us to have the survival instinct, that nobody wants to feel pain, that we naturally have a will to live. And of course, I would not want to die right now for my wife's sake and for my kid's sake. I get all that. But on the other hand... This is precisely the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to. It's the love that he demonstrated. It's the love that Paul, I mean, when Paul wrote those things, that was present reality for him. And he said that to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he genuinely believed it. Well, then it reminded me that as a part of uh, my thesis research, I came across this amazing article of somebody's book, guy named Rodney Stark, who wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity, who actually goes through the history of what was going on in history prior to Constantine. And in this, he talked about the fact that there are these two incredible plagues, huge plagues. The second plague, especially in 260, at its height, 5,000 people were dying a day in Rome. But it was during that that one of the bishops, Dionysius, wrote these words. Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many in nursing and curing others transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. The best of our brothers lost their lives in this manner, a number of presbyters, deacons, and laymen winning high commendations so that death in this form, the result of great piety and strong faith, seems in every way the equal of martyrdom. And see, the thing that was so amazing about it was that the Gentiles noticed because during these times, the the, the priests, the well-to-do, the the rich, the famous, the whatever, they all left. They left the sick and dying behind. And the Christians not only cared for their own this way, they cared for the non-Christians as well. It was this kind of love. It was literally willing to go die for the sake of another, to love them well. And I guess that's the point, right? I mean, we may or may not experience death by befriending and here's the, here's the bottom line is I have a friend who's in a small group with me and she was born in Iraq and when she was very young, her family had to flee because Saddam was going around and particularly on that very night, the news had come that his soldiers were coming to their neighborhood to kill anyone who wasn't in support of Saddam. And so their family fled, made it out, got to Libya after a number of years, ended up in the UK. Now she's in the United States. But at one point, she just poured out just great anguish and sadness that regardless of what any of us think about the refugees coming in, based on Paul, based on Jesus, based on this report of the Christians in 260 AD, is that she's saying, what better opportunity for us as Christians, than to embrace the refugees when they come in, that we should not be filled with fear and filled with anxiety. We should not have troubled hearts 
that we who know what our future is, we who have experienced eternal life now and presently, what better opportunity and, and who better than us to love the refugees? She said, you know, most of them, Mark, anyway, they're leaving their countries because they don't support ISIL and ISIS. They're just normal human beings who want to be safe somewhere and want to have their families and, and just live in a peaceful setting. And, but the bottom line is, is that really shouldn't matter to me anyway, is that we should love them, period. And yeah, if somehow, some way, we're with one of them and suddenly we were to lose our life because of being with them, I couldn't help but thinking, I want to see Jesus in that moment and hear him say, well done, you loved as I loved, you loved as I loved you. You know, consider Jesus washing the feet of Judas and Peter. Jesus knew who he was, and yet he humbled himself and washed the feet of the two he knew would wrong him that very night. One would betray, one would deny, but he still loved them, humbled himself and loved them in a very humble servant way. All of this to say, you guys, is that it was easy to talk about it last week. Between the Orlando experience and seeing this couple on the road, I realized how much it still needs to be deeply internalized in my own soul. That how much more I still need to experience the Lord's love and the experience of the Spirit in my soul and my life and to train my mind to think different so that when I think and see people like that to go, who better than us to love them, even with the possibility of death, for to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I pray for all of us. I pray that you'll think and pray about this, that maybe the Lord would speak to your heart today, even right now, even that you'd hear him say again, will you, for my sake, face death all day long? Are you a sheep considered to be slaughtered? Knowing all these things, you will be more than a conqueror through me who loves you. Besides, I told you, in this world, this stuff will happen. They did it to me, they're going to do it to you. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Beloved, may Jesus help us to believe, to grow, to renew our minds. And I would want to say right now, to the church of Jesus Christ, may we rise up like these believers did in Rome in 260 and willingly engage those whom we know could cause us death for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of lives who need to know how much he loves them. So again, God bless you and God help us. Love you.